Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills, and passionate about personal growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Welcome back to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Brian, with my co-host, Ben Brandell, and today's episode is about drop shot fishing. You know, in our previous episode about post-spawn bass fishing, we talked about the drop shotting tactic, and we maybe mentioned doing a whole episode about it. Well, here it is today. But before we dive into all the tips, tricks, and details, we need to give thanks. You know, I don't know where thoughts come from. Some people believe that thoughts are really all from the spiritual world, that God places those thoughts in our heads, or perhaps the other, the bad side does. Um, but I'm so thankful for all the different techniques and ways of fishing. Like, since I have been little, there have been so many new forms and techniques to go out and bass fish. You know, we're getting ready to talk about one of those today. This wasn't something that my great-grandfather used to do. It wasn't even thought of. And so whoever thought of it, how these men and women come up with these new ideas. It's so amazing. I would love to one day think of something new like this, but I'm so thankful for these new ideas, for these new tactics, these new techniques. It brings fresh new methods to the game, and they're so fun to try and do. All right, and drop shotting isn't new, but it seems like every single year there is a new technique. Correct. This this, this one's going to help you catch bass, and it usually Correct. does for a few years, and new baits and new lures and new lines. Um, but well, I mean, yeah. it used to be a, a bone from an animal that we used to make a hook. Right. <laughs> to where we are today. <laughs> to where right. we are today. So it's fantastic. Yeah. Just so thankful for those thoughts um, and those new new techniques. Well, what I'm thankful for here, and a lot of times uh, we as Christians are told not to say it or we're afraid not to say it, but I'm thankful for stuff. In particular, my fishing stuff. When I go out and I look at all my rods and reels, I'm not going to say how many, but there's there's a lot out there, and, and I can always <laughs> add more. I can always add more. I have a list of what I want to add, and I look at what I want to rig on each one, and then I go out and I say, well, Ben, I only brought this number today, but I'm only going to probably use this, and then I get them all out, and I use them all, and I change the baits on them. I'm thankful for all that. I'm thankful that we get to have time to disconnect and God does give us this stuff to enjoy. Do we need it? Absolutely not. We don't. Is it okay to enjoy it and be thankful for the blessings in your life? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I am thankful for all of my fishing gear, all of my recreation gear that I get to go out and enjoy the outdoors with. I don't know. You're, you're making me smile because I do love gear. And brand new gear feels great so i completely understand that and and thankful for you know you had said you like taking different rods for for different techniques i agree now we're blessed because we have as many as we have however there are anglers that not only take out different rods for different techniques they take out multiple rods for the same technique for example there are some professional anglers that not okay you and i take out only one drop shot rod I mean, we really do. Like, we're just going to use one drop shot. Sometimes ride. I have two. I mean, maybe two, but yeah. I, I don't hardly ever see your rig two rigged up, grabbing, ready to go. Ever. Your other one's going to be for something other finesse, right. like like a Ned rig. Some of these anglers have got five drop shot rigs all up front, ready to go. Mm-hmm. Now that is that, that next level right there. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to get there one day. That would feel good. <laughs> that would feel good. 
So, Ben, what exactly is drop shot fishing? We mentioned it in our episode about post-spawn bass fishing. Now, we mentioned utilizing it and catching some bass, but let's really give a good explanation of what it is. We're going to talk about how to rig it, the baits to use, the line, the reel, the rod. We're going to really give a detail of how to be an effective drop shot fisherman. You know, drop shot fishing, this is one that um, I learned more into my adulthood. This wasn't something that I was taught as a kid. And so it didn't come to me naturally. I really knew nothing about it. It wasn't until I started fishing um, bass tournaments and there were tournament styles with co-anglers where you basically got paired up with a, with a guy that's got a boat. He's the, he's the boater. And I was the amateur. I was the guy in the back. And, you know, I learned so much from being able to doing that. And one of the techniques I learned was this, and it was a a gentleman that was, he was a local guide on the waterway and, and he shocked me. He said, we're going to go out and do some offshore fishing. Well, I wasn't used to that growing up. I'm shallow. You give me zero, you know, maybe down to 15 feet, maybe 20, but nothing deeper than that. And so when I went out with him, he taught me this technique. It's the first time that I had actually ever seen it or heard of it. Um, today though, so many people know about it. Um, matter of fact, there's so many professional anglers now that it's like a like they have it in their boat rigged up for all year. They're going to use it. So it is very effective, and I can't wait to to step by step describe well, it. Well, who was it, Ben? There's a a lot of people locally that listen to the show. Uh, go ahead and throw the name out there. Who taught you this? Because uh, locally, and and I know he guides in two different states. Uh, he is well known for teaching people to drop yeah. shot. Yeah. Captain Rick LaPointe. Um, and what an awesome gentleman. Um, I know that I believe it was in 94, 96, he gave his life to Christ. And, um, he was just, he was so, so caring. He taught me, I mean, was, um, compassionate enough to, even though we're fishing a tournament would still take his time to show me the right way and to teach me even while we're, you know, fishing seriously. So, so thankful for him. I know it's been many, many years ago, but, um, yeah, I learned a new technique that I'd never even heard of before. And uh, what what better gentleman to do it was Captain Rickle Point. It was awesome. Right. So with a drop shot rig, what he probably showed you was you have a weight on the very bottom of your line. And then up from that weight, I'm going to say on average about a foot up from that, depending on the time of year, the distance between your weight and your hook is going to vary. Usually in the spring, it's pretty short. And then if you're using it later, like into the winter, it can get as long as like three feet. But right. most of the year, it's going to be about a foot. You're going to tie that hook above the weight. And on that hook, you're going to have some kind of finesse usually worm type bait. Yeah. Let me say this right now so that we don't have to keep trying to go back and be like this and or that. We're going to give you like the average, like what the majority of the time you're going to use. You can you can change your hook sizes if you want to. You can change the weights sizes if you want to. You can change the, the line, uh, six pound, eight pound, 10 pound. There are so many different. Yeah, it's, it, a lot of it's preference. It, it is preference. Um, some people are going to say, well, it depends on the bait and your matching, all that. At the end of the day, we want to give you the basics so that you can go out and recreate this. And then while you're doing it, if you want to tweak it, as we call it, or change a few things up to see how much better it works or how worse it works, go ahead. You know, but like for this, we're going to keep it, let's keep it just even kill because you can go down some rabbit holes on, <laughs> on talking about 
round versus pencil versus right. size. I mean, yeah. there's just so much. We'll and touch on a little bit of that. You we'll, we'll definitely talk about our preferences and what, what we do. Um, and hopefully, yeah, that inspires you and, and gives you enough ammo to go out and, and do this yourself. And, and why I'm saying that is you can go out today, you can go to the store and buy a pre-rigged kit. And yeah. that pre-rigged quick, that pre-rigged kit is actually going to be even different than how I fish, mm-hmm. you know, or even how uh, Captain showed me. So, right. yeah, let's get into it. Let's talk about what what we use and, and yeah. Why so we you've use got it. your weight, and then about a foot up, you're going to tie your hook, and the hook is going to be again this. You're thinking very finesse on this. The, the drop shot rig is usually utilized in lakes that have clear water, and the fish are deep, so deep clear water. And those are times and areas that it's hard to get bass to bite. And this is a rig that can get bites. I always, always get bites on my drop shot rig when other things are not getting bit. This is a great way to do it. So the small hook, small line, small weight, and they're going to space them about a foot apart. And then small baits, like I said, usually worms, finesse style, three and four inch worms, if you're going to be fishing maybe in uh, a brush pile for some bigger fish, you may upsize your line, weight, and hook, and bait a little bit. Again, depending on the tactic that you're going to use it. Um, it, it, is, it is actually really versatile. You know, it was originally developed and thought of as just vertical fishing, meaning you're not casting this. You're dropping it down maybe a standing tree or a bridge pillar but it has really, really developed as a technique over the years. You know, Aaron Martins uh, passed away recently of brain cancer, but he was, I mean, he's one of the biggest reasons that drop shot fishing is so well known and so popular because he made so much money doing it. And he says that over 80% of the time, he is actually casting the drop shot rig and he believes that it is more effective that way. And I actually cast it quite a bit and kind of drag it back to the boat. Now, this is not a big bomb cast. Like, you're not casting a jig or a swim bait out as far as you can. It's it's a nice, light, little 30-yard, not even a roll cast, almost a flip. Sometimes I'm flipping it out. A toss. A toss. <laughs> we'll you're just it tossing toss. it out and kind of dragging it back. Um, maybe kind of more like a Texas rig or something like that. But it was originally thought of as just a vertical fishing, and now people really do understand that you can cast this out I watched Edwin Evers in a tournament catch an eight pounder off of a bed in like two foot of water with a drop mm. shot rig. So <laughs> it's crazy. Ca- you're talking about from just a few feet out to I've fished it in water that's 150 feet deep. That's right. Yes. And that's what's awesome about this is actually probably why this is one of the first ones we're discussing. You know, mm-hmm. now you have been using this word quite a bit, and I do want to talk about it real fast. It's not in our notes, but. As I'm sitting here listening, I'm thinking, you know what? People may not know what we're actually talking about. So when you say finesse, we use the word finesse, finesse, finesse. This is finesse fishing. What in the world is finesse? What do we mean by finesse? Because if you look up the definition, I'm going to tell you, it's probably not going to match exactly with what we're talking about here. But what do you mean by finesse? I'm trying to think of a good analogy. So... uh If Shaquille O'Neal is to power fishing, then Muggsy Bogues is to finesse. <laughs> <laughs> what about Steph Curry, though? He's pretty finessey. 
Yeah, yeah, a little finessey. Because Muggsy Bogues, he's just small, but that dude could dunk. He's he's going up and dunking. He slamming. could. I mean, Curry, he's well, Curry can dunk. Too, he's kind of yeah. out there just flipping his arm down. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like basically, it is small, discreet, not a lot of noise, delicate, not a lot of vibration. Delicate, delicate. Yeah, maybe delicate. Um, there are times when bass will not come around a big, huge knocking crankbait or football jig coming by their heads or you're throwing the big 10-inch worm out there, they're going to be like almost annoyed. I don't necessarily want to say afraid of it, but maybe even spooked or afraid of it sometimes. But you slide a little drop shot down there by the brush pile and a little teeny tiny 3-inch worm is just floating around where they're going to come up and check it out and eventually they're going to be like, oh, well, that's a meal. So I, I Googled the word finesse. I Googled okay. definition. And... I didn't agree with all of it. However, there's one word that does stand out. Subtle. Subtle. Yeah. Subtle. That's subtle. what you're looking yeah, for. It, not this. Yeah. Not subtle. this show, you know. That's not this big, powerful show. It is subtle. subtle. I like that. Right. Yeah. That's good. That's a that good is. word uh, for it. So this is definitely a finesse finesse fishing tactic. Now, the question is, what do you catch on it? Is well, this for all kinds of species? Don't or? you catch on it? Right. 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 Well... I've never caught a catfish on it. Well, maybe you haven't fished it long enough, too. One day you will. Maybe so. I think so. Maybe so. I've caught catfish on on fake bait before on worms. Well, yeah. So it's doable. It's doable. Uh, things you're probably not going to use it for, like anything that's toothy. Right. You, you know, you're not going to be fishing Correct. walleye or anything like that. Because the, the hook is so tiny, I imagine walleye would... would Cut your line pretty quick. Right. Line pretty quick. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, in the summertime, it's a great way to catch big bluegill, uh, bass, smallmouth. <laughs> I think it's probably most well-known for smallmouth fishing. I mean, smallmouth abs- absolutely annihilate a drop shot. I've caught four-pound smallmouth on a on six-pound test drop shot rig. I mean, they, they absolutely annihilate it. If you watch any of these tournaments or any of these guides – uh, up north, Lake St. Clair, Cayuga Lake in New York, any of these northern smallmouth fisheries, Champlain, you are going to see drop shot rig after drop shot rig after drop shot rig. Uh, it is just so well known in those northern clear water deep fisheries for smallmouth fishing. Uh, here in the Ozarks, it is utilized like crazy. I mean, we have mm-hmm. deep clear water. We have spotted bass, smallmouth bass, and largemouth bass, and you can catch them all on it. You absolutely can. Yeah. I yep. know that people use it out in the oceans. Yep. Um, you can use it saltwater fishing. I think some people still call it drop shot, but uh, it's a little bit bigger, obviously, because it's in the ocean, but it is still a technique that is used for finicky fish. These fish that don't really bite, you're not going to power fish for them with something big and showy. You need something that is subtle. You know, I just, I actually just realized that if we went and set a limb line, this would be very similar to a limb line. Yeah. Yep. And so when they rig it and, and it's it's how it presents the bait itself, honestly, like because your weight is at the bottom below the hook, it's setting and preparing that that bait up a whole lot different than when you add weights and hooks into and inside the baits right. that we use, you know. You know, the rod and reel and the whole setup, the way you fish this is actually really important. This first of all, you will see on some of those shallow, maybe guys that are sight fishing for bedding fish with it, you will see every once in a while somebody that has it on a casting rod. But traditionally, this is a spinning rod <clears throat> tactic. You're yeah, do you think s- that's because, I mean, as as 
each year goes by, rods and reels, they're they're changing the game. I mean, they're making bait casting reels even smaller, where they mm-hmm. fit in your hand with smaller spools. Whereas baitcaster, when they first came out, they were designed for large line and to right. put many they make many feet of line they make on bait casters for crappie fishing. Right, right. So now that you're able to to kind of downsize on some of the bait caster, you could put some eight pound on and six pound perhaps, right. and and definitely do it. Um, not against it. I think for you and I, while we're sharing that, is when we say finesse, we go to the spinning rod because I believe that I feel lighter bites uh, i feel the bottom better with a spinning rod sometimes than when i do with a with a bait caster absolutely um and once you get to the spinning rod you know medium medium action is a or medium power is a a pretty good with a fast or even an extra fast some sensitive you want a sensitive tip um but again you you may get in preference there my favorite rod that I have is actually a medium heavy that acts kind of more like a medium, but the tip is really, it has a really fast tip, so it's really sensitive. The bites on a drop shot are usually very, very subtle. Sometimes your line's just going to kind of take off going, and you need to raise up on that rod. Because it is finesse style with light line and small hooks, you can't just rip and set the hook like you can with other things. It's more just a raising up, putting pressure on that fish, more like you're crappie fishing. Yeah, and I think it, it does depend on if you're casting it or fishing it vertically. Um, when Captain was teaching me, you know, we were offshore. We were fishing deep water, you know, over really brush piles, um, sometimes rock piles, and, and sometimes over treetops. But it's your fish are suspended off the bottom, and we're trying to fish right above them or in them. And so it was all vertical. There wasn't any casting out. It was dropping down over the boat and really watching your tech, your uh, your screens and technology and stuff. Um, but anyway, while fishing it vertically, you know, the tip in regards to fishing vertically was to literally like still, calm, no movement. Let the bait and how it's rigged up do what it's supposed to do. And when you fill a bite, it was to wait even longer. It was to wait until you see that line start to move. And when the line's moving, now you know to lift up. Whereas when you're casting out, sometimes you feel that bite. Like now that now that your weight is on the bottom and, and coming on the bottom, when you feel the bite, you may have to then lift up and jerk at that time and not wait, or you right. may miss the bite. So it is kind of tricky because, again, how you how you rig your worm and the size of hook you're using also kind of depends on on <laughs> – how hard you can jerk. I mean, there's some hooks when you're, I have used hooks so small that I was really worried that I wasn't even going to get a hook set up, but that's how finessey and I'm in air quotes. That's how finessey and subtle we were trying to be. Right. Yeah. And the, the length of rod, I, I would say if you took a hundred people that drop shot fish, the majority of them are going to have a seven foot long right. medium action yeah. spinning rod for drop shot fishing. I personally I like a 6'6 six, six rod because you and I don't have big, our graphs, our screens on our graphs are small. So I like to be close to it so I can actually see it. So when we are vertical fishing, I like that little bit shorter rod so that I'm actually dropping right down where we're reading and I'm still close enough to see our small graph because we don't have the big 12 or 16 inch <laughs> screens. Um, and yeah, I just, I found that rod that works for me. It's really sensitive. I can feel those bites. Um, and, uh, I, it's six 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 is the sweet spot for me on, on the drop shot fishing. Yeah, and I agree with you. Like I said, kind of going down the average, we're going to stick with that. There are reasons 
why people pick what they pick and and find what what find what you like find what is comfortable to you on the reel you're going to look for what they call a 30 or a 300 size spinning reel and you need to be able to uh, put some of that lighter line on it. You don't want to get up into those 40 or 50 size spinning reels because the light line on there, you're, you're going to have to put two <laughs> two spools of line on there to really get to it. Um, you want to have a reel that has a good drag. With drop shot fishing, these fish are usually deep. You've got light line. You've got a lot of knots in the drop shot rig as we're getting ready to talk about. So you don't want to horse them as we say you're going to have to really play them and the drag on your reel is really important so you want a reel with a good drag system and you can set it pretty light i typically have it set light and when i hook them up i actually will turn it and set it even lighter once i'm actually fighting the fish no that's good yeah yeah i I was gonna say the it it actually like you were talking about all that i had a flashback to an oh crap moment (laughs) i was drop shot and i had my my trigger flipped on my spinning reel Mm -hmm. and did not know that I had. And, and when I got that little bite, I waited. What do you mean your trigger? You had your bail up? Oh, you had the reverse. I had the reverse on. The anti-reverse. And I lift up. And when you lift up, you're lifting up very firm. Like it's a, it, it isn't a jerk where you're trying to rip lips, but I mean, you are lifting up. And when I did guys, that thing spun backwards so fast. (laughs) Not only did I lose the fish, I was done using that reel that day. (laughs) Like totally backlashed it so bad. It spun it all backwards. So, quick a, tip, no a, matter what reel you're buying. A could have laid their eggs in, is what you're saying. <laughs> yes, it's bad. <laughs> Just the quick tip is, is no matter what size of reel you buy, make for sure that you turn your reverse off when you're drop shot fishing. <laughs> that, is a, that is a good tip. I didn't think of that one, but I bad. haven't lived that moment yet. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> I'll bet it was. So, yeah, a good quality, like 30 size spinning reel. You could probably even get away with a, a 20 if you needed to. I just wouldn't go any bigger than, than that 30 uh, series. Um, line, line is pretty important. You know, 15 years ago, everybody was using, uh, just like straight fluorocarbon line for drop shotting. You, you want fluorocarbon for sure, because it is finesse and clear water and fluorocarbon is the most invisible line that is out there. Um, however, now it is so popular to back or put braid on your reel first and i have went to that i actually went to it several years ago well hang on because um, you said back and i want to separate because there's some difference of, of you're not talking about backing no uh, it's not backing right no. there are guys it's that, my main line right there's guys that put backing down on their reel because they're the spool on the reel is so big that it's expensive to put a bunch of fluorocarbon on there so they would back it with with braid first and then attach their fluoro so that it saves space and saves money halfway into the spool but you're talking about you're going to pretty much spool your reel with fluorocarbon excuse me you're going to spool your reel with braid line yes thank thank you for clarifying i I should have done a better job that thanks for catching that my main line i'm going to spool with braid and i like either 15 or 20 pound braid the the diameter of that is going to match to like my six or eight pound fluorocarbon leader that I'm going to tie on. And then I'm going to tie, usually uh, I start with anywhere from 6 to 12 feet, depending on how good you get at tying your connection knot and how long you can get your leader. If you're still practicing and you don't really, aren't comfortable with tying a really tight, small connection knot between your fluorocarbon leader and your braid, start with a 6 foot leader. That's plenty long um, to get your braid up out of the view of the fish. The only reason I sometimes go to that 10 or 12, 
now the knots going down inside, going through my eyelets, is that if I break off once or twice, I still have enough leader to tie on throughout the day. Um, but I've tied that leader connection knot so many times that I can get it so teeny tiny that I don't feel it going through my eyelets. It can go through there really smoothly. Now I'm old school. So if you're like me and you don't want to use braid, that is okay too. I know that it's older and it's what guys were doing. I was taught on the fluorocarbon and I still use it today. I just straight fluorocarbon. The entire spool is fluorocarbon. Um, I prefer that mainly because I actually don't trust most of my knots in regards to braid and fluoro. So if Brian doesn't tie that knot for me, then I would just soon use fluorocarbon. And if you're like me, that's okay too. You can still fish drop shot with straight fluorocarbon. I'm going to give my biggest reason why I like using the braid mainline. And that is when you are drop shot fishing, that worm sticking out perpendicular to your line makes your line twist. It spins. You've got this weight and, and it spins. And, it, and eventually, if you fish that enough, especially like two, three days in a row, your fluorocarbon just turns into this spirally jumping off your spool, getting loops in it, and you need to hook it to a tree and, and really stretch it out. Braid, you can spin it and spin it and spin it and spin it. It just has no memory to it at all. As a matter of fact, I have braid on some of my spinning reels as my main line that has been on there for like three seasons now, and I'm still just as confident in it as I was three seasons ago. No, absolutely. Your braid that you have is, and now, I'm a tightwad, so. is now white. Yeah, it's and it faded. used to be green. Yeah, <laughs> that's how long it's been on. I, I'm a tightwad, so well, it's gonna stay. But on it there. works. That's what's awesome about yeah. it. You know, for me, he is. That is another tip. If you're gonna use fluorocarbon, and that's really for any of my everything that has fluorocarbon on it, I do have to stretch. It's all gonna have memory. The memory is not as bad as monofilament, but it does have memory. And and I do stretch mine. Um, I go out and hook up to a tree and, and I'll stretch it. Um, and I have to. So I am used to that. That's something that's just a part of the process for me. However, there are applications for braid. This is one of them. Um, but do know you don't have to have braid to drop shot fish. Right. So 15, 20 pound braid to a six or eight pound fluorocarbon leader. Obviously now you have to tie a connection knot. So what knots do I tie? What knots are there out there that people are using? Uh, my favorite knot, the knot I use over and over again, is called the Alberto knot. It is, honestly, I will say it's probably the second best connection knot. There is one that is a little stronger. It's just more difficult to tie. The Alberto knot, I have learned to tie it uh, pretty fast and effectively. However, when I first started tying it, I stunk at it. I stunk. Uh, when I tied it, it would come up into a little ball and it, it would get caught. It would get caught on my, my guides and my eyelets and it sounded awful going through my rod and reel. But I've practiced it enough that when I pull it tight, it is very, very, very tiny. It is really, really strong. What I love about it is once you pull it tight, it doesn't get any tighter. So you can trim the tag ends of it off really, really close. And those tag ends won't be catching on anything. You can trim them basically to where they don't exist. So I love the Alberto knot. Look that one up. Maybe I can make a video tying it here um, uh, so we can put it maybe on our podcast Q&A page or something for people that want to see that. The one, if you go get in a touring professional, somebody that fishes for a living, if you go get in their boat and they're tying up a drop shot rig, they are probably going to be tying what's called the FG knot. It is considered the strongest line-to-line -line knot. However, 
It is difficult. I have tied it. It takes like your mouth and both your hands to tie. You have to have like three points of pressure. Um, and I'm not going to say like it does. You have to use your mouth and both your hands to tie it. It is very strong. It gets really, 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 really small when you tie it tight. It just takes too long, and I haven't practiced it enough to be that effective at it. It takes so long. That's why so many guys, those pros, are tying up five and six of them at a time because it is difficult. I like the Alberto. It's fast, and I have really learned to trust it. No, that's good, and that's a good tip. You know, that's kind of another reason why I stick to my fluorocarbon. I'm I'm not against tying those knots. I have, I do, I use it today on certain drop shots and on, on some other techniques that we'll talk about in the future too. But, um, if that's something where you're like, you know what, I just want to go do this. I don't, I don't want to spend a lot of time rigging up then, then you can, you can go straight to fluorocarbon as well. And at the end of the day, when you are doing a braid to fluorocarbon leader and you have an extra knot, that is one more thing that can fail. It It is one more thing that can fail. So I do check that throughout the day to make sure that it's still good and and not nicked and, you know, just do a pull test on each side to make sure it's tight. But again, you are adding something that can fail in there. No, it's very true. You're right. Um, What about hook, man? What hook do you like to use? How small are we talking here? You know, they have, this is where it kind of gets tricky because I could say a one, but then you have a one-aught. Yes. You have a, a, a size one and a one-aught, which is two different hooks. Right. They are two different hooks. So if someone tells you a one, then you might ask them, clarify what that means. But, um, you know, I use size one and I've gotten a size two, but I've also then use a one-aught. Yeah. My favorite is a Gamagatsu one-aught hook. That's yeah. what I use for my drop shot. Now you're talking... That's a little bigger than the size one that I'm saying. Right. Because the size one. And a little bit different shaped too. They are. Yeah. 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 And now the Gamagatsu you're talking about, if we're talking about setup, you can actually buy, what I mean by rigged is it is a Gamagatsu hook that has a swivel above it and a, I'm going to call it a, a, a pinching clasp. I don't know the name of it. That's below it. And so it's already like a pre-rigged setup that you Correct. can go buy. But. So for somebody that was just starting. Yeah. I w- you you can go buy these like yeah. you're saying it's it's basically a, a swivel with a hook in the middle of it and you tie your line to the top and you tie your leader to the bottom and you're good to go it's a great way to start I would suggest eventually moving away from that because this is a finesse rig and that is a little bigger and showier bigger. Uh-huh. than just your single hook to your fluorocarbon right and so when when we're saying we want to get real subtle I'm gonna drop even down smaller so start with a one aught but when you really want to to maybe make it more subtle and more finessey as we're calling it, then you may move down into that, that size one, size two. Um, but I do like the round bend that he's talking about, Gamagatsu. I like that r- more round. However, it does depend for me on the size, the length of the bait that I'm using. You know, we're using robo worms. These stick straight. I mean, there's just no, there's just a straight sticky kind of worm is what, Captain Rick LaPointe was teaching me to use. And with that, I needed a much smaller hook than this Gamagatsu that that Brian's been talking about. So you do kind of have to rig your hook to your bait. You do. And with the weights today, you know, that's the next thing as far as terminal terminal tackle goes. you got to have your hook and then your weight. 
they make drop shot specific weights today. They make them different colors. You know, you can get them painted black. You can get normal lead. Is, you can get different that's almost, sizes. That's, tungsten. You well, can get tungsten. I just want to, that's almost, I want to go back and change my thank you. <laughs> because you can now, and, and I didn't think of that till you said it. You can go into the store and you can literally ask for drop shot stuff and it's got drop shot written on it. Yeah. Like, 10, 15 years ago, you would just have to mix and match. You had match. to know what you needed. Yeah. You, know, you, you would just buy what said drop shot. It on didn't it. have drop shot written on it and said this is what's. They're even matching like the packaging on baits are actually telling you now which size hook to use. They do it with rods now. You right. can go buy rods that have the technique the rod was built for written on the rod. Correct. And so it's this awesome. This is a jig rod. It's this awesome. is a spinnerbait rod. So yeah. it's so much easier for you guys to go out and do now. That is a plus. But yes, that's about the hook size. I do like smaller, um, but it's also because of how I rig, which we'll talk about here shortly, the, how I put my bait onto the hook. Right. And as far as the weight goes, again, it's going to be personal preference as far as size, but just make sure you're getting a drop shot weight. There have been times I have actually ran out of drop shot weights and I was still drop shot fishing and I literally took a bullet weight and I slipped it on my line and I tied a knot in the end of my line so that it couldn't fall off. Mm -hmm. Ben saying when this technique was originally developed, people were using split uh, shot, split shot, mm -hmm. you know, pinch weights as some people call them where you actually pinch them onto the line. So there are other ways to do it. What's so beautiful about the drop shot weights that they make today, they have different material options, different shape options, depending on the substrate. We'll get a little bit more into that. Uh, different colors, if you're uh, into the color of your weight, and they all have clips on top of them. And the clip is designed basically when this weight gets hung up, you break your weight off, not your hook and your worm too. That's nice, And yes. it's also, you don't have to take all this time to tie a third knot. If you've got a leader knot, you've got your hook knot, now you're trying to tie on this weight too, but it just clips onto the end of your line. Uh, some people just clip it on. Some people go ahead and tie it all the way on. Some people just tie a knot in the end of their line and then clip it over the top of the knot. Um, but the drop shot weights are really, really nice and they make life easier. If you are a forward facing sonar person, you like to watch your bait on forward facing sonar, costs more money, but you will see your bait a lot better if you buy the tungsten drop shot weights. Any of your sonar is going to get a better return off of the drop shot. It's a harder material, so the signal comes back to your unit better than the soft lead. Yeah, and, and now we have tungsten. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. You know, I. And, and I don't know this. I only know this because I've been told this by other fishermen. But when tungsten's bouncing off the bottom, it sounds different and perhaps better than lead because lead's softer and, and it maybe doesn't tink as loud. So, you know, all these tips, techniques, they've been passed down from other anglers. But it seems to work because you can go out and catch fish on this technique. Yeah, on the size of weights, Ben, that's important too. Again, Finesse. Yeah. You're not buying half ounce drop shot weights. Mm -hmm. Even when you're fishing deep, I, I, I really only keep two sizes of drop shot weights. I keep an eighth and I keep a three sixteenth. My favorite is a three sixteenth because usually I am fishing this thing in 30 to 50 feet of water. I like the three sixteenths. You don't want necessarily this thing to just go slamming down to the bottom. It isn't a power thing. It's a finesse. So you want it to kind of come trickling down. But at the same time, you want it to be heavy enough that you're not waiting for four minutes for it to go down 30 feet. You know, I have some slip sinkers. Uh, they're the bullet weight style. They're, I've got quarters. Uh, I even have some halves. And I use those for like Texas rig and different techniques. But 
like Brian's talking about, I'm going to use about an eighth, maybe a three sixteenths. But if I need something heavier, I'm not going to go out and buy those special when I rarely use them. I'm going to tie on just like you're talking about. I'm going to get in my other box. I'm going to grab some of my bullet weights that are a little bit heavier, and I'll just use those instead mm-hmm. when I need to once in a while. Because it is that that rare that I would use something that heavy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, what about the baits, Ben? That is just like every bait, yeah. personal preference. But what you mentioned the Robo Worm. Well, because that Aaron was Martins. like Aaron Martin's. I know. I don't know if if Captain if he. I don't know where he got his information from. I don't know if he learned it from him or it's been around. I don't know that whole story. I just know he taught it to me, and he was so dead set on that Robo Worm. And sponsorships come into play in a lot of this fishing world. However, this was his living. This is how he made his money, and he had to catch fish. And he just swarping down the Robo Worm the robo worm but that's been 20 25 years ago today there are so many different types and styles and sizes and shapes and people swear by all kinds so it really goes back to i think for me what size of hook am i using and how am i going to rig this this thing up right and you know when aaron martin's developed the robo worm that he did and rick well there's a color called uh aaron's Aaron's magic Magic. Yeah. yeah aaron martin yeah aaron's magic this was before Berkeley Maxent came out. Right. That stuff's go good. <laughs> this was before. And if you watched in the past year some of these northern professional tournaments, I mean, the Maxent was just absolutely smashing and destroying people who weren't sponsored by Berkeley and using right. the Berkeley Maxent. Right. So it became really hard to get. I have used, gosh, I could not even sit here and think of all the different worms and baits I have put on a drop shot and I have caught fish on almost all of them. However, I really sincerely do believe I have zero I have zero affiliation with any fishing brand. None. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I have no allegiance to anyone. I sincerely do believe I get more bites on the Berkeley Maxent flatworm than I do on any other drop shot bait. Not only that, sometimes, so many times with drop shot fishing, you're going to get these bites and nothing really, oh, I felt it, I felt it a bit, but nothing really happens. So many times with the Berkeley Max scent, I'll feel that, and the next thing I know, smash. Yes. Got it. Because they, they're it, whatever that scent or flavor is, it smells like dog poop. Uh, I know it does. It, but it isn't just for drop shot. We're talking, we have Max scent in other styles, and he's, what he's saying about this happens with them too. Like if you're putting a, a Max scent crawl on a jig, Let's say that, that they come up and strike it and you miss it. Get ready because they're going to come back and hit it again. Yeah. It's just incredible. And, and guys, again, no affiliation no. with Maxson at all, but we do. We Not do. Yet. Not we yet. have confidence and believe in it. Yeah, I'd love that someday, <laughs> but it works. I use the Berkeley Flatworm. Last time I was at Drop Shot Fishing, uh, they have one called the, I think it's called the Flat Nose Minnow, but it's in the Maxson as well. Right, yes. I've found that one to be very effective. Yes, Sometimes if the worm's not going great, I'll get the minnow out. Uh, if I see a whole bunch of shad and they're really keen on shad, then I'm going to go with that kind of smaller shad-shaped minnow. Um, what about? I mean, this again, there's well, so well, many. And, and I was going to say there's so many ways. This this doesn't hold true for everybody. For People me, do it with sinkos and Ned rigs. And right. There's all kinds of things. You know, when I'm talking about these longer, like the robo worms, the straight sticks. Where I've seen most people using those, and where I use those, was on suspended fish. Like you're not you're not uh, 
casting it out and working it back to you. It's vertical, it's over the top, and you're wanting this worm to stick perpendicular out. It's barely, like when I'm attaching this robo worm to this hook, this one-aught hook, I am barely putting it on top of the sharp point of the hook. Like You're nose hooking it. I'm Yes, they've also called nose hooking where you run it kind of way up in there a little bit. I'm talking... If it was a needle, if you had a needle and you're, and you're sticking it up in the air and you literally just smash just the itty-bitty nose just down on the very tip. Yeah. So that thing can swivel left and right. Like, that's how I was taught to do that for vertical fishing because if you try to do that while casting it, it's going to come right off. Like, you'll lose it. So, but what you're doing is you're allowing, like, this whole, uh, I don't know, this pivot it can yeah, pivot it like can move freely really yeah. in all directions up, right down left and right when right. you do it that way and there are other ways so with some of the bigger worms especially when people are fishing more shallow they'll use more of a straight shank like a one odd or size one hook straight shank and they will actually texas rig the worm on there um you'll also Correct. see guys that will rig it like a uh wacky uh, like a wacky yeah they'll, they'll wacky rig it on there again i've seen People take little Ned, Ned rig baits, like half of a Cinco, and Texas rig that on there. There are so many different baits and ways you can put that on there. For me, my rule of thumb, I want it to be small, finessey, and I want it to have good movement. I want it to, if I just drop it down in the water, it's going to move without me doing a whole lot of shaking and dragging. Yes. No, I, I think that's good, man, for sure. You know, I already talked about setting your setting your drag light. I want to I want to talk about that a little more. So you've got this light bait, you've got this small hook, you've got a weight going on down in there as you're fighting the fish, kind of pulling on things too. There's a lot going on with light tackle and light line. I keep my drag just tight enough that when I raise up on a fish, my drag pulls out just a little bit, but I want enough tension that the hook actually hooks that it goes into their mouth. But as soon as I know I'm hooked up good and this fish is fighting and pulling down, I reach up and I back that drag off and I want these fish to take some of that drag. I want them to take it and I'm going to reel when they give me a chance to reel. It is almost, no, it isn't almost. My drag is so light that I can reel and the fish can pull and my drag is still going all at once. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, and there's some guys that will actually hand drag and, and I don't know why they do it. I I would prefer to let the reel do the work, but mm-hmm. you know you can also flip the bell or push the button and let your thumb do the work on letting your line out. So it, why, I don't know, but that's a technique. Now, with your drag, if you give them too much slack, your fish is gone. If you pulling way too hard and trying to horse them up, your knot breaks. And so that's what Brian's talking about here. There's a There's kind of a happy medium in it, and the more fish that you catch... The more you feel those spots pulling and tugging, you will find that spot when you're like, yes, this is the tension. This is what I need. Right. And you really take your time with the mm-hmm. drop shot. Mm-hmm. You really take your time with these fish, getting them in, let them fight, use a net if you're able to use a net, um, and, and take your time getting them in. Something else that we haven't hit on that I think we should, because this is where some people get confused, because you're tying a hook. Most of the time when you're tying a hook on, you're tying it to the end of your line. But on the end of a drop shot is your weight, and this hook is kind of up in the middle of your leader line. So how to tie that on can get confusing. If you are t- if you have the pre-rigged ones like Ben's talking about, you can just tie whatever knot you're comfortable with on the top of or each end of that swivel. Uh, for me... Let's, yeah, let me talk about that kit real quick. Yeah. You can tie whatever knot you want to at the top. Then at the bottom, you're going you're gonna to have pre-cut 
or on the spool you have, cut off however long you want. I'm going to call it the tail end to be. How long do you want it? And we've been saying about a foot is what we've been kind of saying here. Some people do 30 some inches. Some people do 16. I mean, it's, it's all sizes. It depends on time of year, however you want to fish it. Anyway, you got to have a tail coming down off of your hook. And with that setup that I'm talking about, that is an easy way to do it. You cut however long you want. You slide it in in your kit, and then you add your weight to the very bottom. Now, most of us aren't going to buy the kit. How would I rig it up if I went and I bought a one-aught hook, drop shot hook, and an eighth of an ounce pencil weight? How am I going to tie that on and make that work, Brian? So first, you, you want to put your hook on first before your weight. You want to make sure to put your hook on first. The knot that I like to use, there are several knots out mm-hmm. there. The knot I like to use is a polymer knot. Right. I, I tie it with a big, long, uh, I tie it with a big loop in it so that when I pull it through, I've got my leader line. I tie a polymer knot. The step that people really, really need to make sure to take is that after you tie your polymer, you need to take your tag in that your weight's getting ready to go on. Well, most of the time people cut that tag in off to go fish with it. Right. You're leaving that on there. You're leaving it on there because you want to put the weight on the end. But after you've tied the polymer knot, pulled it tight, you're going to take that tag in and you're going to go back through the eye of your hook from the top to the bottom. So you want to go through the eye of your hook from the top, pulling it down through the bottom, and then you can put your weight on the bottom. The reason that is you want that to pull your hook out perpendicular to your line when you're pulling it down. You don't want this thing pulling, twisting, pulling your hook sideways. You want to go back through and you want your hook to be able to hang and get pulled perpendicular. You don't want it being pulled down sideways or twisted, but you have to go back through that eye, which is an extra step that you don't normally have to take when you're tying a normal polymer, say on a jig. Yeah. I, you know, what Brian is saying happens more than not. There have been times when I've tied my polymer though, and I, when I'm making, if I'm running back through the eyelet, it actually flips it upside down for me and messes me up. So here's the quick tip. After you tie your polymer knot, tighten, hold the bottom and hold the top and tighten it. And if your hook sticks out perpendicular, then you're good to go. If it doesn't, you need to do what Brian's saying. And I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about. I've never had to not do oh, it. Oh, I have. I, do I actually had to time. do it uh, on, when we went out last. I had I've to do never that. Had to, I've never had to not knot. Not knot? I've never had to not do it on the knot. Yeah, no, I always pull that tag in back through. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe we need to watch your Let's do a video. Tying. Let's do a little video Maybe we should it. do yeah. a little video on little, it so you can you. tie it the straightest. But uh, there are other knots that you can tie that's actually a, makes a knot above and a knot below the eye of the hook, and it makes sure that your hook is like perfectly straight out. I don't like those because it takes away some of the action of the bait and it makes it more visible because you've got this bulkier knot above and below. If your knot, for the most part, is wanting to be perpendicular and you have a buoyant bait, when you drop that down in the water, it is going to be out. And you can kind of test that after you rig it up, put your bait on and hang it over the side of the boat and see how it looks right there because once you drop it down, it's going to look very similar to that. I do like testing it before I drop it down and Mm -hmm. that's a good thing to do. So we've talked about rod and reel, we've talked about line, we've talked about what baits to use, hooks, weights. How do you fish it? Where do you fish it? When do you fish it? What are you fishing it for? Fish it now, fish it next week, fish it deep, fish it shallow, 
fish by docks, fish on rocks. <laughs> yeah, you can't. You can't. I mean, I mean that is that's. I think that's what people are starting to say today. That I mean, always have one tied up, rigged up, ready to go. You know, it's not something that I was taught to have rigged up and ready. This is newer for me, but it is that powerful and effective because, especially as busy as the lakes are, as sore lips are these fish. I mean, these fish get fish for hard. This is an awesome technique to catch fish when when you can't any other way. Yeah, I I don't have it rigged up year round, and that is just because I the rod that I have it on. I like to utilize it for some other things. However, once we get to soon as the post spawn starts, all the way through the post spawn through the summer through the winter, all the way up to the spawn the next year, I'm gonna have it rigged and I'm gonna have it in the boat, and that is because. If it is a tough day, if I can't catch them on anything else, if I can't drag a jig around, if I can't catch them on a swim bait, if I can't catch them on anything else, I know I can grab that drop shot and I can go get some bites. Yeah. And when we go fish tournaments right. and we're having a tough, horrible right. time, what's our last, okay, let's get the drop shot out. Let's get, let's get five. Let's go do it. Yeah. No, it's, it's true. And that's, I think that's why, I don't know why I fight it so much. I fight using it. Um, I know I probably ought to use it more often. Because it it is our go-to when we can't catch anything else, we grab it and grow drop shots. So you're right. I guess I'm just I'm stubborn. Yeah, and then yeah. there are times of the year like by by the time we get to July, August, we go out. It might be the only thing that I fish the entire day. It might be the only thing I fish, and, and I'm gonna fish it deep. Where I haven't come a long way with it yet is that real real shallow stuff. Um, we've I've done it a little bit for bed fish, sight fishing, but. When guys are just up in six, eight feet of water using it, of course, I've never fished up. Um, I've never fished up north where people are s- s- uh, fishing for spawning smallmouth in like eight feet of water that they can see. Yeah. Um, but I, I haven't really m- utilized it shallow yet. For me, fifteen to a hundred feet is kind of where I utilize it at. That's yeah. No, I'm with you there. I did this year uh, during the spawn. I did try it in the spawn. I was using a, a little white. Um, white crawl looking creature. I slipped on it trying to elevate. I was trying to move. I think I only had four inches on my tail, like four or five inches, but just trying to get that bait up off the bottom to make that bass um, more mad. Right. So I I did try it. Um, I did not catch uh, that fish that way though on that time. You know, as far as what species to use for it, Usually it's going to be utilized for bass. I accidentally, I I didn't know that there were people out there using this to catch big bluegill in the summers. And while I was fishing for bass one summer, I I was graphed over a point and there was this wad of fish on a ledge. And I was like, holy cow, there's a a good wad of, of, I thought it was spotted bass. And I went back over it. And as soon as I dropped my drop shot down there to him, doink reeled it up mm-hmm. and it was like a, a bluegill that came halfway up my arm giant bluegill like, wow okay well, i threw it in the live well dropped it back down doink <laughs> big old bluegill dropped it back down doink two and a half pound spotted bass <laughs> yeah. they were all down there together but right. most of what i was graphing was these big bluegill mm-hmm. um and i went back to work and i told my buddy about it and he was like you gotta take me there i want a mess of big bluegill to eat and I'm talking like these things are bigger than your hands. They're they're big eating size bluegill. And so I took him back to that same spot and we found some other spots. And on the drop shot, the same one, same bait, same rig I'm using for bass, 
we caught a, a good mess of these bluegill to eat. Um, so I didn't even know that, but then through research later on online, I found out that people were utilizing it for bluegill. Right. Um, but mainly for me, it's bass. That's the main utilization for it is bass. Um, right. And, and, and it could be large mouth, small mouth or spots, right? I mean, it's, absolutely. it's definitely bass that we're keying in on. I want to say big bass too. I don't yeah. want people, I don't want to yeah. get the miss. You will catch shorts. And, you will catch 10 inch bass mm-hmm. and you could catch five, six pounders and everywhere in between, just because it's small and finesse, don't think you can't catch some big bass doing it this way. You can. You know, if you're like, where do I go? Where, where do I go? I know I was, I was teasing earlier. You can fish it anywhere. Majority of the time, you're going to go to where, where fish are schooled up, and that's going to be your your bridge pillars. You know, the the areas anywhere there's a bridge and you have the big concrete that's running down into the water, you are going to find schooled up fish there. That is like the number one place that people go to drop shot. Um, you know, your local guides, they are going to take majority of the people to those big pillars and they're going to fish and drop shot right next to them because they, they hold fish and... They're that finesse. You're kind of out there, um, and it's a finesse option. It's it works great. Yeah, it it really, really does. Pretty much always get bites. Some days it's gonna be like holy cow, this thing is unstoppable. You're gonna get a bite every second time you drop it down, especially if you're really graphing some fish on your units. Other days. You may not get a whole lot of bites, but it will be the only thing that you get bites on and you can't get bit on anything else. I just want to end, Ben, let's end with a couple personal stories here, unless you have any other tips that you want to add. Yeah, I've got one more tip. Um, when you're rigging this thing up, let's say that you rig it up and you're 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 storing it before you go out to use it. Like once you place your hook on that hook keeper on your rod, I get frustrated because I've still got this foot to two. I've got all this line and this weight hanging down and I'm like, what do I do with it? It gets tangled up around my other rods. I've tried taping it to the top. I've left it long enough to go through the eyelet back on my spinning rod, but none of it seems to work. I get frustrated. I've seen Brian, he takes it and wraps his line around the end of his rod. Whatever way you, I've used rubber bands to try to hold that up. They have out now, they have drop shot wraps that you can buy, but there's these cool things called drop shot clips and they allow you to run your line through it and bring your weight back up and hook that weight up out of the way so it ain't dangling. If you're going to be doing this a lot, you need to find a way to secure it because you will lose your weights if you're going ahead and place them on. If you're going to wait to get out on the water before you place your weight, that's okay, but you still have a foot of just line that's floating around. So invest in some sort of Velcro wrap. Um, I've used rubber bands before, or you can buy these clips that they sell now that work really, really well. That is a tip because if you're like me, you get so frustrated when you grab your rod out of that, that rod box and it's wrapped and tangled up around all your other rods. I, I get furious. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a really good tip. Yeah, and I do. Yeah, I wrap mine, but still, even then, it'll come unwrapped. But yeah, you'll pull it out and it'll be wrapped around four or five other rods. The rubber bands, if you put rubber bands over the end of your rod, they'll last for yeah. a couple weeks and then they get dry rotted and, <laughs> right. and break off. Right. And then you've got this smashed gluey rubber band on your rod. So <laughs> yeah. those new clips are, are, are pretty cool. They, yeah. They're definitely pretty cool. You know, I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't fortunate enough to fish with somebody like Rick LaPointe to, to learn drop shot fishing. I really had to do it by trial and error. I, we live in a day and age where there is YouTube. So I watched some YouTube about how guys set it up what they were using probably would have laughed at the first few times I went out and did it. Um, 
but really just trial and error and going out and doing it and practicing. And a few tips from you uh, has really helped me. I'm not going to say I'm a master of it at all, but effective. I can catch fish on it. I can catch fish you do, yeah. and, and do keep learning every time that I go out and do it. And that's really the message I want to leave with you. If you've never done it, if it seems intimidating, just give it a try. Give it a try. Take our tips and pointers. We'll put some pictures up. YouTube some of these guys we're talking about, Aaron Martins, some of these these masters of the not only the sport of bass fishing but these specific techniques. And teach yourself and go out and practice it because it's one thing. We've said this in previous podcasts. It is one thing to learn something in theory. It really takes it to a whole other level when you put it in practice. You can internalize it, and now it becomes uh, something that you can utilize. The first time that I ever fished a drop shot, I think I caught two, <laughs> like, I, I'm not even, I'm going to say 10 inch, but they might've been six inch, little <laughs> teeny tiny bass. And I was like, well, is that all this catches? Yeah. Um, but I stuck with it. And I can remember one summer I was actually out fishing by myself in a borrowed boat and I could not catch a fish. It was July. I was fishing my jig and my worms and my te- doing all that stuff. And I could not get a bite. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going for the rest of the day. I'm going to really practice this drop shot. And I put that drop shot on and I went to some of these gravel points and didn't even have good graphs on this boat at that time. And I started dragging this drop shot around some of these gravel points in like 25, 30 feet of water. And I actually caught three smallmouth that day over three pounds. Wow. And it, that's what really sold me right mm-hmm. then. I love catching smallmouth, my favorite fish to catch. And catching these big smallmouth and realizing that they will bite this. They're good-sized fish. They will bite this when nobody else, when nothing else is getting bit. It, it really gave me some confidence in the drop shot bait. And when I turn to it today, it's usually because I need to get a bite and I don't think anything else will. And I know something will bite the drop shot. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. That's that's why it is deadly. It's it's so finessey and, and calm. And, and, you know, when I was being taught how to do this, I think the number one takeaway that I had and what I'm trying to share here is just of how calm it is and to be calm. Like you're not working the bait like a Carolina rig or a Texas rig where you're just pulling, you know, you're really pulling it up and then letting it down and in this big action. It is just, it's subtle. That is the word we use to begin with. It's it's that subtle movement, even if you are going to cast out and work it back to the to your boat. It's just subtle. It's it's small. It's it's calm. You know, it's not this crazy reaction um, strike that's taking place. So fish it slow, be calm with it, and be ready to catch fish. Yeah, hopefully you get a chance to go out and do some fishing. If you get to go out in a boat, somebody's boat, your boat, whatever it is, give drop shot fishing a try. If you need help from us in any way, we would be glad to help you. You can reach out to us on Facebook, on Instagram. You can email us at m2boutdoors at gmail.com. We'll post some stuff about drop shot fishing on our Meant to Be Outdoors podcast Q&A page. So if you're not a member of that, make sure you find that and become a member as well. As always, we are so thankful for everyone that turns this Mm -hmm. podcast on and listens and supports us. All of our social is growing. The podcast is growing. We're just so thankful for the support and the growth of all our media outlets. That is going to be it for this episode of the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. We'll be back next Thursday with a brand new one. We hope that between now and that time, you find time to spend time outdoors. And as always, remember, you are meant to be outdoors. Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. Please help us by subscribing, 
Also, follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.